Welcome to On Balance. I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. I'll be your guide as we explore the stories of today with the personalities impacting tomorrow. Welcome to On Balance. All right, folks, let's take a deep dive. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger, on another edition of On Balance. I want to get into the guts of the conversations that are impacting districts across the United States. I think a lot of these conversations are going on at bus stops, at coffee shops, um, within Facebook pages uh, and text threads. And to do so, I want to bring in someone that I've known for quite some time and have interacted with, but Doug Roberts, he's the founder and CEO of the Institute for Education Innovation, a national K-12 superintendent think tank. Doug, great to spend some time with you today. Hey, Rod. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. So let's, let's just jump right in, Doug. I w- I'd like to know, look, I've had conversations off the record with a number of superintendents across the country that have communicated all kinds of different challenges and obstacles that they are currently addressing uh, and, and or are, are worried that they will be addressing quite soon. With that as the backdrop, what are some of the things that you're hearing when it comes to the concerns that they have? And are there buckets that we can identify or sort of separate out when we think about just current challenges, ways in which that they are trying to address some of these challenges? But what are you hearing on the ground? Well, we just had our, our spring summit last week in San Diego. Um, had about uh, just shy of 50 district leaders there. And I think the thing I'm hearing right now is that this job is really almost too hard. The way, the way we've set it up, um, the, the way we've come to, you know, and I, I think the pandemic dumped all of this, all of this, this burden on our district leaders. And, um, you know, without a ton of kind of, yes, that there was funding from Esser, but no, no real playbook. And I think that part of what makes the job so hard is the public aspect of it. Um, being a, a public official, but you know, your employee, you're not elected. Uh, so you're at the behest of a, of a, of an elected board and, you know, you're, you're handed challenges for which there are no, there was no playbook. No one ever expected any of this. It's not something you, you can train for. It's not something you learn about in your doctoral program or ed school. Um, and you know, we've, we've sort of, and, and we've, we've said to these district leaders, okay, great. You have, you got to try to solve these problems. And, you know, during this time, we really think that you need to be here in the office every day, all the time. And you can't go and, you know, take time off with family or take time to go grow as a professional, go to a professional development, you know, opportunity. There's, there's a kind of, there, there's been a, a real feeling in a lot of districts. I think our, our members might be outliers here where they are um, able to, to take these trips to go connect with colleagues, but it's almost as if, you know, we, we need you here. Um, and, you know, you have to sort of cancel anything that's, that's taking you out of the district, which I could see in the midst of when we're all trying, trying to figure out how to um, contact trace and what that looks like. But, you know, once we were kind of into this thing, it started to feel sort of um, almost punitive, I think, to some superintendents that, you know, the idea that, that the community felt that if you, if you left because, you know, we're still kind of dealing with ramifications of a pandemic, that somehow is um, going to negatively impact the district, which means that more and more leaders have, um, have disconnected from colleagues, have gone 
more into kind of their own their own world and that's not always the best thing all all the ideas to solve problems don't exist inside the geographical boundaries of one school district and so um yeah i think that that's been a real that's been a real challenge. i guess i can tell you this our members have expressed great relief at the ability to get together and at the opportunity we've provided for them to learn and listen to each other and you know we probably should be having more of that if we're going to make this a sustainable job you know the average tenure of a superintendent is somewhere close to three years and it's lower. I was going to say that that's getting lower, isn't it? Yeah, it's getting, and, but, and the, the poorer the district, the low, the lower, the average tenure, um, you know, white men have a much higher average tenure than everybody else in the jobs. And that's a problem. Um, and I don't know that we know how to solve that one, but we got to talk about it because it's a problem. Um, and you know, that, the, those aspects of the job, basically, we we, we came away. You know, because we're kind of close to the end of the school year here. Last week, we were all saying, you know what? If you if you've uh, exceeded the average tenure, that's success. You know, a three year super a four year superintendency, a five year superintendency, that's success. That means you're doing something well. And you know what? You shouldn't feel if you're in a place where things are really tough for the kids that you serve, where you know where you have students, um, you know, you have student deaths that you're dealing with all the time, which is the worst thing any of these folks ever deal with, right? A kid dying and having to be consoler in chief and helping a family through that, whether it's through violence or uh, suicide or something else, right? It's just the most awful thing. And if that's something you're dealing with once a month, that wears on a person and it makes the job hard. And we have to be able to let people say, you know what, I'm going to go. I did my five years here. I exceeded the, te- the average tenure. And now I'm going to a district where, you know, maybe there's less of that. There are other challenges there. Um, but, you know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go spend three, four years being a great district leader in this other place where maybe that kind of that thing that can emotionally wear you down is less so. And you're more worried about other issues like fiscal management. Or I think we, we should let our district leaders diversify their portfolio of strengths and skills in order to keep them in the jobs. Let's talk about um, the difference between expectations, maybe. Um, and required skill sets. It, it does feel like there's a bit of a disconnect that you mentioned about the public, right? The public uh, aspect of this, which I do think is incredibly uh, interesting uh, from a number of different angles. But what are the expectations and how do superintendents think through these expectations or the perception of what is expected of them in a world where I think the position has changed greatly since you are, you and I were growing up in, in public schools and school systems. And I think because of maybe or played a role of COVID, we now have the public looking at our our district leaders and within with a very different filter or in a very different light about what they think they should or should not be doing. And I think some of them are getting caught up in communication challenges in setting the course, setting the field, right? The sort of the chalking the field. And others are doing quite well because that's very natural for them. Are you finding that there are discussions about professional development needs that superintendents are seeking because the job is requiring a new set of skills to meet new expectations from the public? Yes. Oh, gosh. Sorry. Uh, yes. Um, there, um, empathy is, is something that, um, that some people can develop, but you know, for some, it's you either, you either have it or you don't. And so if you're not the kind of person who could be a real empathetic leader, then you need to have somebody or people on your team who can accomplish that for you. Um, and I think that that's been a key element of the last couple of years because the, you know, the public has wanted to 
uh, either sound off because they're upset about all the stuff we've been talking about, masks or whatever, or just, you know, uh, like sad because the kids can't come to school or whatever it is that we've been dealing with. There's been a level of kind of emotion and empathy that I don't think was ever in the job before. Um, and then I think, you know, we're seeing an increased interest in communication, PR, family engagement, which was kind of, you know, there was some tech that started to come out around that seven, eight years ago, probably the first of which was um, School Messenger and Parent Square. And, you know, those those solutions felt very early stage. You know, the idea that we would text parents and we would kind of let them know about this announcement or that announcement. Everyone was used to robocalling. But we've now pivoted to the point where now we everybody routinely kind of texts parents basic information. But um the two-way communication and engagement has been that much more important, uh, particularly as we've been trying to wrangle kids who have not made it back to school after you know schools closed in person and all that stuff. So I think that that communication piece, you're seeing, I guess I'll use the word kind of entrepreneurial. I don't mean in the sense that soups are you know starting businesses and raising capital and um, becoming bazillionaires. I'm saying the, the kind of skill set that entrepreneurs often have where they have to be multiple things, you know, you're, you're no longer just the, the chief instructional officer or the teacher in chief. Uh, you're no longer the kind of um, figurehead who goes to the concerts and basketball games and rallies everybody. You're no longer just someone who's an official at board meetings. You, um, you have to be able to communicate on your feet. You got to be able to have a plan for and a strategy for communication. There's a crisis every week when you put out your note, your numbers around COVID, right? That they've been in crisis mode for two years. And at some point that kind of, that, that, that really wears on you. The, the fiscal um, hijinks that they've all had to navigate through with ESSER money and then communicating about ESSER money, having the community think that they're rolling in, in, you know, riches when in fact, you know, what we're doing is really kind of an incremental increase on what we, on what we were doing before, but public perception driven by media, national media is, is sees it differently. So we've just, we've made the job more complicated. And I, I think a lot of people are thinking through, you're seeing people um, add new roles in cabinets, right? A lot of district, districts have been adding uh, deputies or, or directors of equity and inclusion. You're seeing people add, you know, think more like a business. We need to do PR outbound. Not just a newsletter, not just Twitter, but we need to really have a strategy for putting out information about all the good stuff that we're doing. So I think you're you're seeing them think more, um, you know, in some ways, like like their counterparts in the private sector. Of course, you know, if you compare the sizes of budgets that these folks are paid, it's it's minuscule what soups get paid versus uh, finance or or other kind of private sector industries. But um, that that's a big change I've seen. Are we? Do we have a good handle on what we should be looking for in the next generation of superintendent? You know, look, locally in my school district, we have a superintendent that has no teaching and learning background. And I think that that's that he's in the minority. You have other you have other districts where they that superintendent, you know, that given superintendent is steeped in teaching and learning, but struggles in other areas of, you know, how to run a district. Uh have we figured out what the next is? Not just how do we support the current soup, but I think this also has to be about developing talent. I mean, we haven't even talked about 
this, you know, the big quit, the education version version of, you know, the great resignation, but that's real. Uh, if you talk to people behind the scenes, and I think that we should be talking about superintendents in how we cultivate the next gen. And do we have a good sense of what is going to be required to be a successful suit? Right. So we got to be actively looking for the next gen. We have to look, I think, and, I, and I'm guilty of this when I'm looking at people who might be ready to step into leadership. I sort of look for people who kind of, who sound like me, who act like me, you know, similar kind of personality traits. And something we've been talking about is let's go look for the people who, who might, who might present as a very different leader, but still might be ready to be a leader nonetheless. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote a piece with uh, the superintendent of Ithaca central school district, city school district in New York, Lavelle Brown about one way to solve our, our, our leadership void is for us to solve the the gap in terms of um, you know white men superintendents and everyone else. So we got to go find more everyone else, and we got to go look at teachers and see you know find folks who might be interested in developing leadership. We got to cast the net wide within our districts and within our networks. Um, I've also seen a tightening of the ranks among not just superintendents but district leaders generally. Um, around personal relationships and connecting between, you know, we gather people three times a year. That's what we do. But I've seen an increased connection between gatherings based on relationships developed at our event. And it's very low tech stuff they use to connect with each other. Text messages have been everything. <laughs> the text message threads, if I could see what's getting discussed in some of these text message threads, but many have described to us that that's a, that's a lifeline right now. You know, something bad's going on in the district. You reach out to your eight or 10 buddies on text and, and you can have a private, confidential, soul-bearing discussion in that, you know, at 10 o'clock and, you know, because everyone's in different time zones and all that. And we're all trying to also be good parents and partners and et cetera. So like, <laughs> but you can manage to carry on a conversation over the course of two, three hours late at night when it's not weird to be get on the phone with somebody, right? So we, I've seen them, uh, I've seen people really kind of increase those connections. So I think, um what what people need to prepare for in this next generation of leadership is um, is that the you know the the people who led districts through the pandemic did such a good job that the the bar is going to be pretty high. I think now boards and the public are going to expect that you know the next group, which maybe was not in the leadership seat during this tough time, is going to be battle tested. And you know we have to we, we probably have to think about. Something we've been thinking about on the IEI lead side with our aspiring soup program is, you know, more focus on the practical, more focus on the tactical and on the real life situations. Um, there are other places where you can read art, read the, the articles and the books and do the kind of more academic piece. Ours has been a very, very practical, you know, get ready for the real stuff that's going to happen when you're in the seat um, kind of experience. And I think that that's, that's probably what we want to help the next generation of leaders be prepared for. Um, and I also think, you know, I, I do think an element that's creeping into this work largely because of all of the new companies that have started that are directly competitive with districts. You got a lot of companies that got started in the last couple of years, largely because of all the money for intervention, instructional services that are doing full courses that are doing, one-to-one -one instruction, one-to-many, to one-to-small-group instruction. And the pandemic forced districts to embrace this technology that we're using to talk to each other. And, you know, I've been using this stuff for like seven years, video conferencing, but 
you know, seven years ago, if you were a vendor, a district would be like, yeah, you got to come and see us in person. And now, (laughs) hey, vendor, guess what? We're going to do 12, 30 minute Zooms all day. So districts now use this technology and they figured out that, that it can be safe and it can be audited. So you got tons of new companies who are doing tutoring and, and full course deployment and um, credit recovery and intervention and all that stuff. And so, you know, teachers are starting to look at that and go, huh, I could teach, you know, I might, I might not have as good benefits, but I could teach on a flexible schedule in my shorts at home. You know, maybe I'm going to go do that. And so our new crop of leaders have to think in terms of where they fit in the global education landscape. And, um, you know, that there's, there's a, a new interest in kind of making sure that we're providing a competitive workplace, uh, good benefits that we take care of our staff. And that, that empathy is the word I keep coming back to. I think next generation of leaders are going to have to have enormous empathy. Doug, take me inside to conversations when it comes to the big quit. Um, as backdrop, in my state of Tennessee, there's been, we've been in the news for all the wrong reasons. Um, and, and recently, uh, librarians have been incredibly upset. And so that's a topic for another day. But I will tell you that I had a number of conversations with librarians and leadership in library sciences across the state who warned me that when school ends here shortly in Tennessee, that the the uh, exodus of librarians out of our school systems is going to be unlike it's ever we've ever seen in history. And so that's just one population of educator in the schools. But how are superintendents talking about? I'm sure every district's going to be very different, right? But the districts that are fearing a great exodus, how are they? planning or preparing? I don't know if that's me as the parent that's curious, or is it, you know, just from a leadership perspective, how are they planning for this? Because I don't know if you can prepare, but I've also heard that so many districts, the applications are down significantly. Yeah. Right. And so you kind of go, boy, this is a double-edged sword here. We don't have enough coming in and we have a mass exodus potentially. So what what do those conversations look like? How are they preparing? Is it, how much of it is PR and, and just comms so that parents feel supported and how much is just, you know, blocking and tackling to make sure everything's ready for August and September. Yeah. You're seeing, um, you're seeing the candidate pool for district top jobs, cabinet and superintendent, um, perhaps still strong on talent and ability and, uh, and you know, the other things that we look for in a district, but lower on experience. Um, lower volume of resumes for each job, which means you're going to have people with less experience stepping into more complicated jobs. And, you know, I, what we're seeing is, you know, as a community, we got to kind of help each other. We got to make sure we support each other. We got to go find, you know, like I said earlier, we got to go find those, those teachers or others who might be interested in stepping up to become a principal or an AP and try to recruit them and, and, um, you know, help them help them grow their leadership skills earlier on. I think you're seeing uh, you're seeing a lot of superintendents think through, is this the right time for me to make my exit? Is this the right time for me to go to the private sector? You're seeing others who, you know, if you're in a, you know, if you're in a job, you don't, if you're in a situation where, you know, a lot of boards change, right. And over time, and there's an election in two of seven, are new. And so if you see the, if you see the winds kind of changing in your district and you don't think it's going to be a good fit for you, well, this is a pretty good time to make a move. So you're going to have 
part of the turnover number is that people are going, well, there's a district that maybe is a better fit for me and I have a better shot at getting it because there's less applicants for each job. And so people moving around is is something that I think we're, we're seeing a lot of. But, you know, I think you're seeing some superintendents stand up and say, you know what, like I can't, this is not a sustainable job, not at this pace, not at this level. And so Board of Ed, if you want me to do this, these are the things, these are the things that I need. And if, if we can't, if we can't find a way to provide those things, and it's never money, it's always, you know, I need to make sure I use my personal days. Um, I need us to uh, close the office at noon on Fridays in the summer, all that stuff, right? If, and if, if you're not able to give me those kind of mental health, you know, benefits in the job, then, then I may have to move on. And so I think it's, I think boards are smart to, if they've got someone good, they're smart to keep that person and, and, and hold them close. And, you know, we're finally getting to the point in the pandemic where the leaders start to make sure they take care of themselves. They took care of the kids, took care of the families, took care of the teachers, took care of the other staff set up. You know, so many of them set up um, uh, teacher uh, meditation rooms and teacher wellness rooms, uh, closed, closed school, extra taking school days off the calendar, you know, to close at Thanksgiving because it was so tough during the pandemic. And yeah, they put the days back on the end of the year, but you know, maybe everyone's in a better mood when case counts are much lower in the spring, right? Um, they've done all that stuff. And, you know, uh, we've got a piece coming out soon that's like beyond the gift card. You got to go so much, you got to do so much more than just give them a Starbucks gift card. And so this year, I think at least the, the ones I'm talking to have done, have have gone to that level. Uh, go in and district office takes over a school for two days to give the school administrators, you know, a couple of days off, right? Um so we've been through all that, and now the leaders are trying to make it to the end of the year and make sure they take care of themselves. And, you know, um, that's sort of where the buck stops. Your knowledge and your expertise, and probably more importantly, relationships, definitely go beyond the gift card, just in the information. I think it's really important, the items that that you have covered here today. I think that hopefully more participation from communities across the country will help to support those that are in superintendent uh, positions. And then that will also help our building level leaders, our classroom leaders, um, and ultimately uh, kids and families. So I want to make sure people can find you. They can also find Institute for Education Innovation. Where should they go? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for This is my first time on a uh, Strategus Network podcast. So it's cool. <laughs> thanks for having me. You're welcome. And so hi to everybody there for me. We were, uh, you know, have many friends in your organization. Um, you can find us at IEI underscore K12 on Twitter. I'm at Doug Roberts, one word, underscore IEI. LinkedIn, there's a ton of stuff going on there. Just find me, Doug Roberts. And uh, you can find us at institute for forinnovation.com or our, our superintendent award program, which launches this summer, SupesChoice, S-U-P-E-S-C-H-O-I-C-E.com. That's where our members give out awards to the ed and tech industry. So those are a few ways to find us. Well, keep up the great work, Doug. Uh, for those that haven't met Doug, you know, he's a very personable guy who wants to be in a part of the conversation and share the, the relationships, the expertise and the resources and a, a very valuable member of the education ecosystem here in the U.S. And we can learn a lot from Doug and IEI. Once again, I'm your host, Dr. Rod Berger. This concludes another chapter of On Balance. Connect with me via LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram. I'm Dr. Rod Berger.